0: We are here again on this Lord's Day morning to open the living word of the living God and learn from it for our spiritual nourishment and strengthening and that we might more faithfully glorify our God in heaven. Matthew chapter 13 is where we are uh, today, the 10th verse in that passage uh, just named. Matthew 30 there your copy of the scripture as we uh, will a moment attempt by the grace of God and his power to exposit uh, the passage before us. Matthew chapter 13, beginning at verse 10. Let us go to the Lord in in prayer before we hear from his word. Living God, our Father, we bow before you with gratitude that we have uh, in our possession words that you have caused to come into being. Uh, The word of God, the scriptures. Uh, Your word is forever established in heaven. It ministers to our need. It is sufficient. It blesses and builds us up. And we pray now as we uh, study your truth, you do your sanctifying work in every saved one. Do saving work in those who are outside of Christ. And we commit ourselves in this time to you to help this one who is assigned at this hour, this day, in this pulpit to deliver your holy word. And we pray these things in the name of our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, amen. Beginning at verse 10, and the disciples came and said to him, why do you speak to them in parables? Jesus answered them, to you it has been granted to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it has not been granted. For whoever has, to him more shall be given, and he will have an abundance. But whoever does not have, even what he has, shall be taken away from him. Therefore, I speak to them in parables, because while seeing, they do not see, and while hearing, they do not hear, nor do they understand. In their case, the prophecy of Isaiah is being fulfilled, which says, You will keep on hearing, but will not understand. You will keep on seeing, but will not perceive. For the heart of this people has become dull. With their ears they scarcely hear, and they have closed their eyes. Otherwise they would see with their ears, and hear with their ears, and understand with their heart, and return, and I would heal them. But blessed are your eyes, because they see, and your ears, because they hear. For truly I say to you that many prophets and righteous men desire to see what you see, and did not see it, and to hear what you hear, and did not hear it. I use as a uh, title for these verses uh, the purpose of parables. Uh, The purpose of parables. In Matthew chapter 13, verse 3, the A portion marks the pivot point in Jesus' public teaching ministry. From that point onward, he spoke in parables. Mark chapter 4, verse 34, underscores this reality when he writes, and he did not speak to them without a parable. The enemies of Christ, especially the religious leaders, the scribes and the Pharisees, had in unbelief rejected him as Messiah and the truth he taught. Rather than the salvation that he offered, they preferred to cling in their unbelief to their self-righteousness. They manifested their unbelief with the blasphemous accusation that he performed his miracles not by the power of the Holy Spirit, but by Beelzebul, the ruler of the demons, i.e. Satan. Massive crowds came to hear Jesus. But he was not fooled by those who congregated to hear him. He knew infallibly the spiritual condition of all who sat under his teaching. He delineated the various conditions of the audience members' hearts, you recall, in the parable of the sore. We saw there that he told us exactly what was going on in the hearts of all who hear. He, in fact, diagnosed the condition of all people's hearts prior to salvation now this transformation this change language uh, to teach it exclusively to his audience in parables caught the disciples attention so in private they asked the Lord about this remember there in verse 10 why do you speak to them in parables they ask in effect why teach them at all if they can't understand the meaning of the parables. Jesus answers his disciples with an exposition of the purpose of parables. That purpose is twofold, as the exposition of this passage I just read in your hearing will make clear. Uh, The twofold purpose, number one, to reveal. Number two, to conceal. Let's look at parables revealed. That's our first heading verse 11 Jesus said to them in answering their question posed in verse 10 to you let's stop there to you the disciples you're the ones who believe in me and by extension we understand that this this includes all of Christ's disciples all the way down to the very moment that we live to us who are saved we Are the ones to whom the this information has been granted. Granted to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven. Granted, not because we or they somehow had natural insight into the spiritual realities of the kingdom mysteries, no, not at all. Rather, it is a result of divine grace. Grace is unmerited. God is not obligated to bestow his favor on any person. In fact, God is only obligated to exercise justice in, case in our case. But rather than that, he chose to exercise his grace. Saving grace is a gift of God. And it is bestowed on the elect who are called, in Matthew chapter 11, verse 25, infants. The elect are saved by grace through faith. That's a good thing to hear, amen? And no one can boast. The mysteries of the kingdom that Jesus speaks about here in verse 11. Mysteries are the singular mystery does not refer to the plot in a murder mystery, such as the murder on the Orient Express. Everybody's trying to figure out who done it, who is the one who killed the individual. So it's a thick plot, and everybody works to try to discover. That's not what Jesus is talking about here when he uses the word mystery. That's not what the Bible means when it uses elsewhere in the New Testament the word mystery. Mystery in Scripture designates that which was previously hidden but now disclosed. Moreover, the idea of mystery includes human inaccessibility. Men cannot know the hidden truth of God, what he has chosen not to tell us, unless he reveals it. It's impossible for us to know unless he shares it with us. There's an Old Testament example of this in the book of Daniel. The book of Daniel, we have this r- remarkable incident here. In Daniel chapter 1, chapter 2, you may recall in chapter 2 of Daniel, if you'd like to go there, you may, and I want to illustrate for you that God must reveal mysteries. Daniel's in the land of Babylon with his fellow Jews God sent them there because of their sin in verse 1 of Daniel chapter 2 it says this now in the second year of the reign of Nebuchadnezzar Nebuchadnezzar had a dream or had dreams plural and his spirit was troubled in his sleep then the king gave orders to call in the magicians, conjurers, the sorcerers, and the Chaldeans to tell his dream. So they came and, and stood before the king, and the king said to them, I had a dream, and my spirit is anxious to understand the dream. Then the Chaldeans spoke to the king in Aramaic, O oh, king, live forever. That's what you're telling. <laughs> you better butter him up, right? Now they say, tell the dream to your servants, and we will declare the interpretation." The king replied to the Chaldeans, The command from me is firm. If you do not make known to me the dream and its interpretation, you will be torn limb from limb, and your houses will be made a rubbish heap. That would put some incentive in your soul to figure this thing out. Amen. But if you declare the dream and its interpretation, this is the, the good thing. You receive from me gifts and rewards and great honor therefore declare to me the dream and its interpretation they answered a second time and said let the king tell the dream to his servants and we will declare the interpretation the king was was a wily old fox you didn't get to become a king over a world empire by being naive and stupid In verse 8, the king replied, I know for certain that you are bargaining for time. Inasmuch as you have seen, the command for me is firm. Let me just sum up, say they couldn't tell the dream because it's in God's mind and unless he reveals it, they couldn't know. And death was promised to them. If they didn't tell the king's dream, mysteries, only God can reveal them. Uh, Daniel chapter 2 verse 19 it says this then the mystery was revealed to Daniel in a night vision they prayed God revealed it verse 28 came before the king and let the king know what his dream is and notice what it says Daniel 228 however there's a god in heaven who reveals mysteries. And he has made known to King Nebuchadnezzar what will take place in the latter days. This was your dream and the visions in your mind while you're on your bed. And he went right through and told him that's because God is the only one that can reveal that which only God can reveal. Mysteries must be revealed by God. And the mysteries of the kingdom had to be revealed by God and had to be revealed by God incarnate Jesus Christ. And he gave the revelation to his... men. Go back with me, if you will, to Matthew chapter 13. Parables explained reveal the mysteries. Through the parable, parables, the nature of the kingdom, how one enters the kingdom the end of the kingdom, who's in the kingdom, who's not in the kingdom. All that is revealed in the parables. In fact, Jesus explained to his men the parables in Mark chapter 4, verse 34, but he was explaining everything privately to his own disciples. Later in his upper room discourse, Jesus said in John fifteen fifteen, For all things that I have heard from my Father I have made known to you privileged people Christians are privileged people we have the knowledge of the kingdom it's been revealed to us we know where history is headed those outside the kingdom do not know it but we do because it's been revealed to us by God himself in his word now in this verse verse 11 mysteries of the kingdom of heaven kingdom of heaven, isolate those three words there are various aspects of the kingdom of heaven one of them is the universal kingdom over which God rules and includes all created things in every time and every place God is absolutely authoritative he's absolutely sovereign eternally over everything Psalm 103 verse 19 God is sovereign over all He rules over everything. Nothing happens in this world apart from the ordination of God. If he chooses for it not to happen or has chosen it not to happen, it will not happen. If it happens because God has chosen for it to happen, he rules over everything. A sparrow can't fall unless God had ordained it. The reason you were born is because God ordained it. The reason you're alive and here today is because God ordained it. He rules over everything. By the way, let me just say this: Some of you, 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 you'll even think uh, if you didn't have any luck, you and bad luck, you would have any luck at all. Let me tell you, there's no such thing as luck. There's no such thing as faith. Fate. God rules over all things. He is sovereign. That's comforting, isn't it? I'm glad to know that life isn't willy-nilly, and I don't know what might happen because I don't know who's in control, but knowing that God is in control, that means I can go to bed at night and sleep soundly, and my wife can tell you that. <laughs> Spurgeon said the sovereignty of God is the pillow upon which the saint can sleep at night because he can go to bed, she can go to bed knowing God's in charge of Everything. he rules the kingdom of heaven he's the divine monarch there's another aspect of the kingdom that's the messianic kingdom kingdom over which Messiah will rule he's going to return to this planet one day and he's going to rule over the entire world it's going to be a universal rule as I just said he will be in charge of everything the messianic kingdom I don't know about you but I'm looking forward to it Our Sunday school teacher mentioned this morning we're all going to die that's true, except I, uh, those who are raptured. My, my goal is I, what I desire. Let me put it like that. i as soon be raptured. <laughs> Would you? I mean, uh, y'all can die. I want to be raptured. <laughs> so, all right. That, that's what I'd like to do. Of course, I have no control over that because God is in charge, right? And He's not asking me my opinion. <laughs> But here, what he's talking about in this text is the present kingdom in its spiritual aspect. The sphere or realm of salvation. Everybody's either in the kingdom of heaven or they're not in the kingdom of heaven. The subjects of this kingdom are the ones who bear fruit. We saw that in the parable of the sword last week. You recall in verse 23 of Matthew 13. Bear fruit and brings forth some hundredfold, some sixty, and some thirty. Those who are in the kingdom of heaven, those who are saved, will bear spiritual fruit. Those who are in the kingdom are the sons of the kingdom. Referenced in the parable of the tares, which we'll look at in the future. Chapter 13, verse 38. They are the righteous in the parable of the dragnet. Verse 49. If you're here this morning and you're a Christian, you in the kingdom. Colossians 1.13 says this, For he rescued us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved Son. When you came to Jesus Christ, at that moment you were converted by the grace of God. At that very moment, God the Father placed you in the kingdom of His Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. You're a kingdom citizen. You're under the sovereign rule and authority of your heavenly Father who rules over everything. Let me give you a little information here because you might wonder what's the relationship between the kingdom and the kingdom Of heaven and the church we just saw that we who are christians are in the kingdom and we're in the church so how does that work how how do those two entities relate let me share that with you at this point god's kingdom and the church are distinct in that the kingdom preceded the church and will continue after the church has been raptured out of the world before the church began at Pentecost, that was the kingdom, the spiritual kingdom. All who believe they're in that kingdom. The church came and the people who were in the church who were born again, they're in the kingdom. When Christ comes and takes the church out of the world at the rapture, the kingdom will continue. And those who are here on earth after that who come to faith in Christ will be in the kingdom. So the kingdom, that spiritual aspect, which all who believe in the Son of God, who believe in Christ, who have committed themselves to him, they're in the kingdom. And so are you sitting here today. If you're a child of God, you're in the kingdom. Now, the mystery of the kingdom has been given to us. We're the insiders. We get this truth. There's another group why Jesus spoke in parables. Remember, they refused to trust Christ. They had seen his miracles and heard his unparalleled, unprecedented teaching and they utterly refused him, even accused him, as I said earlier, remember this, that he did his miracles by the power of Satan. And Jesus said, okay. You and those who will not believe me, I will just conceal truth you don't want the truth, you won't get it. That's why he says in the bottom of the verse, verse 11, but to them it has not been granted. Those who hear the parables they don't understand it. They persisted in their unbelief. They're out of the loop in terms of eternal truth. Jesus said, I'll give them Parables. They will not understand parables of puzzling. What is he talking about? Well, you didn't want to know when he spoke plainly. So, this is what you get. By the way, I said last week, that's a, a function of divine mercy. Because the more truth a person knows, the greater the accountability when they stand before the Lord at the judgment so the Lord in his mercy he said I'm going to keep you from knowing more because it's going to be more painful for you eternally because you'll have to give an account for all that you know and you rejected get parables but Jesus continues talking about us here after he makes that statement at the bottom of verse 11 he says for whoever has to him more shall be given and he will have and abundance. We know the mysteries of the kingdom. We have that. We're the ones who possess eternal life. We're in the kingdom and we will receive more truth. So how does that work? As believers live up to the truth they have, as they grow in obedience to it, As they mature in the Lord, they will give more and more insight. More light. Let me put it like this. When you go to the Word of God and you see what God wants you to do, you see the truth there that you're to obey, and when you do that, and you implement that in your life, this is what God will do. He'll give you additional insight. He will deepen your understanding of the Word of God. If you're a shallow Christian, could it be you're not obeying the Lord like you ought to be? <laughs> it's a provocative question, isn't it? Go and tell the truth say, yeah, it is. Shame the devil. Uh, you, you want to, to know the word of God more deeply? You want to have the joy and the refreshment that comes from understanding Scripture better? Be sure to obey what he's told you already why should he give you more truth you're not obeying that which he's already given you right we who have it you'll you'll have an abundance of truth but in 12b he refers back to the others he says but whoever does not have even what he has shall be taken away from him that sounds like a paradox doesn't it How can you um, have something taken away from you uh, that you don't have? That is a paradoxical statement. What does it mean? Well, I believe Jesus gives us some light on this in the parable of the sower, as is seen in Luke chapter 8. Luke chapter 8, the parable of the lamp. excuse me. Parable of the lamb verse 18 of Luke chapter 8 it says this so take care how you listen for wh- whoever has to him more shall be given that's us but whoever does not have even what he thinks he has shall be taken away from him Ah, uh, that's the commentary on what we just read right In the end, false disciples lose everything. Get this point. In the end, false disciples lose everything. Those who pretend to be as followers, but they're not, they lose everything. Those who don't pretend to be as followers, they lose everything. In the context of first century Judaism, the self-righteous works will turn out to be nothing but rubbish that cannot save. The Apostle Paul understood this, Philippians chapter 3, verse 8. He thought he was on his way to heaven. He thought he was doing God's service, persecuting Christians. He thought he was on the right track, and then he met Christ, and he realized all his self-righteous, legalistic labor to earn salvation was utterly rubbish. So what he thought he had, he didn't. He was saved by grace. God was merciful to Paul. But there are going to be others. Matthew 25, verses 14 through 30. Eventually we'll get there, the parable of the talents, and there will be those who had opportunities. They're going to lose any further opportunity to serve their master, the Lord Jesus Christ. They'll be cast into outer darkness. I like what RT France, he's a commentator. He said this about this verse that we're looking at in our passage here in Matthew 13: "Quote the ultimate uselessness of religion that is not the kingdom of heaven." End of quote. It's right. The ultimate uselessness of religion that is not the kingdom of heaven. It is ultimately useless. I hadn't planned to say this, but I'm going to say it. I've thought about people who are very fervent for their false religion, like Islam. And they die, and they understand it was utterly useless. People have these religions that are false. False and it does nothing positive for their soul. Parables reveal. Parables also conceal. Verse 13 of Matthew 13. Therefore I speak to them in parables, Jesus says, because while seeing they do not see, and while hearing they do not hear, nor do they understand. They're persisting in their unbelief, I mentioned earlier in this message they had much evidence that Jesus is Messiah. They had much evidence that he is the son of God. His many, many miracles demonstrated clearly to his divine identity and that the father had sent him. It was clear no one else ever lived on this planet like Jesus. It's willful repudiation of who he is. And all the evidence that was necessary to come to the conclusion this is none other than Messiah. Messiah. They concluded otherwise. And so Jesus obscures the truth to those individuals who repudiated him. He hides it, he conceals it. In fact, what God does is remarkable. Christ does is remarkable people think that they uh, think they well I I might come to Jesus one of these days when I feel like it. I wouldn't do wait around on that because you don't know when you may have crossed the line. Mark chapter 4 verse 12 Jesus makes this statement. That's a stunning one. We're not in control of this. People better come to Christ when they can, right? Here we have a parable of the sore and the soils in Mark's account, parallel account. And Jesus says in Mark chapter 4, Are you there? Verse 11. And he was saying to them, To you has been given the mystery of the kingdom of God, but those who are outside get everything in parables. Uh, Why, Jesus? He has this, so that. You say, well, we just saw that in Matthew 13. Well, we didn't see this. So that. So that. While seeing, they may see, and not perceive, and while hearing, they may hear, and not understand, otherwise they might return and be healed. In other words, when it says, so that, this is divine judgment. I'm doing it so that they can't see and believe and hear. Peter Salmons puts it this way about this verse. Turning from clear truth to teaching in parables in order to hinder the ability of his hearers to naturally perceive what they already rejected. End of quotes. They rejected the truth. They've made a moral decision. No. And what God does fine. You won't now believe. May I put it in the vernacular? Don't play with God. It's not to be played with. It's temporal judgment. Can't believe. That's what Jesus is saying. And then verse 14 in our text, he really is laying out for us the unbelief that's happened with the Jews before. Verse 14 of Matthew 13 says, In their case, the prophecy of Isaiah is being fulfilled. What he's saying about his contemporaries, The people to whom he was speaking and teaching and preaching, who have refused him. Our Lord quotes from Isaiah chapter 6, verses 9 and 10. And it describes the Jews of Jesus' day. He applies it to them. Initially, Isaiah 6, 9, and 10 applied to Judah, the southern kingdom. nation of Israel which was headed for divine judgment captivity in Babylon Isaiah was prophesying to his people in his day in the original giving of this prophecy that judgment is coming the king had died Isaiah and Isaiah had seen the Lord he said judgment's coming judgment's coming judgment's coming and you know what the people in Judah said yes sure Yeah, preacher. Well, they spent 70 years in Babylon. Guess who was right? In a similar way, what Jesus is doing here in this prophecy, you are receiving judgment now like them. Because you refuse to believe. Refuse to believe in so they can't believe keep on hearing will not understand keep on seeing but will not perceive explains verse 15 for the heart of this people has become dull that is insensitive to divine truth with their eyes they scarcely hear their ears, excuse me, and they have closed their eyes. Deliberately refused to see, spiritually speaking. So I don't want to know. Otherwise they would see with their ears, their eyes, and with their ears, and with their heart, and return I would heal them. If they had not done the foregoing, close their eyes and unbelief, they would see and hear with spiritual understanding. But because they did that, Jesus says, you will not see, nor will you hear. Do you not know what's going on in Israel today? Same thing. Happened in Isaiah's day, happened in Jesus' day, and it's happening right now in the nation of Israel. Romans chapter 11 Romans chapter 11 Paul is writing the gospel had been proclaimed and the Jews were not receiving it the Gentiles were getting saved and Jews were saying ah. I what's to deal. They refuse the gospel of Jesus Christ. And it says in Romans eight eleven, verse eight. Those who refuse to harden at the bottom of verse seven, just as it is written, God gave them a spirit of stupor, eyes to see not, and ears to hear not, down to this very day. They refuse to believe, and God says, fine, you will not believe. Judge you with the inability to believe the gospel. That's your punishment in time and eternity. He hardened Israel. That's why today in the nation of Israel, it's a secular state. Oh, they have some religious people there. There are a few Christians there, but the nation is a secular state because they've been hardened by God. Because they refused the gospel of God Jesus Christ, who refused Messiah. Parables reveal, they conceal, and may I say it one more time? They reveal to those who believed. Verse 16 of Matthew 13. But blessed are your eyes. Speaking to his disciples. Because they see. And your ears because they hear. Guess what? That's us too. We're blessed to understand the gospel. Can there be any greater blessing? Can there? The gospel the truth. You're in the kingdom. You're heaven bound. That's your eternal destiny. That is the greatest blessing that any human being can ever have. Bar none. If you win the lottery a billion dollars and go to hell, what does it matter? Because you're going to leave all that billion behind. If you never win anything, which you probably ain't anyway, but that's another story. (laughs) just telling you do you not know as a Christian you're the most blessed person on the planet you have eternal life you're in the kingdom you're going to be with Jesus and God the spirit of God and all the redeemed of all the ages forever in a perfect place forever you the blessed most blessed people on the planet When you get to moping around about your little problems down here, and I don't mean to minimize that, but you need to understand something what God has done for you. Start looking up. Start thinking what he did for you. He delivered you from what you deserved and giving you what you hadn't deserved. Amen? You're blessed. Blessed. Hmm. So these men, by grace you know there are some righteous people in the Old Testament they they long to see the Messiah they long to see his presence 1st Peter chapter 1 verses 10 through 12 they wanted that but they didn't and the Lord told them you're not serving yourselves but you're serving those who are coming after you so you're blessed blessed You've entered the kingdom. You belong to the Lord. You know what? We have this book. Isn't it wonderful? We, uh, we don't have pr- present on the earth the incarnate word, but we have the rated word. This book, 66 books in one book. You say, well, I don't know if I can understand it. Yes, you can, because guess what? The author of this book lives in you. He knows what it means. And he'll interpret it for you. He'll illuminate your mind. And he'll even use preachers like me and teachers like the ones in our church to help you understand this book. And understand the riches that belong to you spiritually because you are in the kingdom. It can't get any better than that, right? can't get any better than that. So the purpose of the parables to reveal and conceal and we can know the mind of Christ. We can know the mind of God. We can know the will of God because we've got the word of God and therefore we're on the inside. Not because we're somebody but because God is a God of grace and mercy. Praise to his holy name. <laughs> our Father, we thank you for the blessing of salvation. You opened our blinded eyes and then stopped our deaf ears. You granted to us repentance and faith. And we believe because you worked in us. You planted your truth in us. Bless your name. Lord, help us to rejoice in what you've accomplished for us on our behalf and your planned destiny for us. Help us to walk in humility and always with gratitude because you've saved us. We pray for those in this room who don't have that great privilege of belonging to you at this hour, but you're beckoning them to come. They've heard the gospel. They've heard the word of God. I pray you save them. Pray you open their eyes. Pray you unstop their deaf ears. They may see and believe while they have the opportunity this day. Lord, we give you glory and we give you praise for all the things that you have given to us. In the name of Christ, we pray. Amen.